going on? Happy Friday. Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers to participate in the program. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. And the email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And, of course, you can always follow me on the Twitter machine. I mean, until I get censored. Um, it's at Pete Callender. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. We will get into that. First, uh, an update on a story that broke uh, shortly after uh, I got off the air, which was a shooting at one of our local shopping malls, the North Lake Mall, uh, which is in the northern part of Charlotte. And um, I believe it's the newest of the malls. I remember when they, they got the approval to uh, to do it and, and they opened it. And it was a big deal because, like, that area of town did not have in the kind of mall, you know, like uh, Carolina Place Mall in Pineville or South Park in South Park. Um, and so it was a big deal. Everyone was very excited about North Lake Mall. And uh, it's had some of it's had some issues. The mall has had some issues. And this is the latest one. Now, this is uh, it started as a beef, apparently, between two people, two men. Um, they were at a a store in the mall and they got into a fight. I don't know if they knew each other or what, but they started to fight and um, the guy pulled it. One of the guys uh, pulls out a gun and shoots the other guy that he was fighting and uh, also then hits an innocent bystander. Both of them got taken to the hospital. CMPD major Ryan Butler said that the suspect fled from officers, dropped his weapon, but then surrendered outside the mall. And somebody actually videotaped that happening, him uh, on the ground at least. And then another officer uh, arriving and uh, getting uh, uh, the handcuffs on the guy. So uh, as I understand it, uh, neither one of the people who were shot have died. So, uh, you know, prayers for their healing. And uh, the the assailant is in custody, and that's good. Uh, CMPD Major Butler said he considers the mall to be a safe place. And he said, uh, the multiple 911 callers from the mall shows, quote, people won't tolerate this type of behavior. I, I respectfully disagree. I don't think that's what the 911 calls indicate. Right? I, I don't. I mean, I think people call 911 when there's a shooting because they want somebody to come stop the shooting, right? They don't know who all's been hit, who's doing the shooting, and they're not allowed to have guns in the mall. So, which is weird that this guy had a gun in the mall. Did he not see the signs? He must not have seen the signs that say, don't bring a gun into the mall. See, that's part of the issue here is that nobody in the mall is armed. The good guys with the guns, they're, uh, they're not armed in the mall, and so maybe they're not even in the mall because they cannot go in with a firearm. So they're like, you know what, I'm just not going to go in. So I'm not sure the 911 callers show that people won't tolerate this type of behavior. In fact, I think there are some people that do tolerate this type of behavior. I think there's an entire element in our society that tolerates this type of behavior. They're kind of okay with it. It's, it's normal. I mean, they would prefer it never affect them, to be sure, but I think there is a culture of criminality that is celebrated in our society, and um, 
Now, maybe they weren't the ones calling 911. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure 911 calls prove that assertion. That people won't tolerate it. Now, if the guy had gotten away and police were looking for the suspect and people called in and said, I know this suspect, I know who you're looking for, this is his name, this is where you can find him, I just saw him over here, whatever, then that would indicate a lower tolerance for this kind of behavior. And if if looking to, uh, you know, if, if looking for proof or evidence of this lack of tolerance, I think we could look also at some of the more high-profile shootings or even the non-high-profile ones, the low-profile ones that have gone unsolved in Mecklenburg because of a lack of cooperation from from citizens. Uh, the one that comes to my mind right off the top of my head is the Beatty's Ford Road shooting. Right? How long has that been now? It's almost two years. Is that right? It was probably about two years. Have they caught anybody for that? How many people died in that? It was like four people or something, right? A whole bunch of rounds spent and people hit at some Juneteenth party and nobody's been brought in on that and they're not getting any help from from people who were there. I mean, hundreds of people were there. People saw what was going on and no one is no one is helping to, you know, take the attackers off the street, so I would submit that is evidence that people do tolerate that kind of behavior, right, to a large degree. Let me go over here and get David on. Hello, David. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Pete. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Hey, you know, Charlotte Mecklenburg's been uh, all over the news uh, kind of patting themselves on the back for this body scanner that uh, kept a kid from getting a non-loaded gun into a school recently. Yeah, yesterday or two days ago, yep. Well, you know, there's, what, six, eight entrances to a mall? Why don't they put these body scanners on the entrance? Well, that, that may be what the malls decide to do. Uh, they, have, uh, they have ramped up security over the last uh, year or so. Uh, they've implemented different kinds of rules, right? So maybe that's, well, maybe that's where this goes. This, this Northlake Mall, Ghetto Mall, I mean, how many shootings have there been there? A dozen? I don't think it's that many. I'm not aware of there being a dozen. Um, it, what's well, also interesting... A restaurant across the parking lot, and a couple last year, and a couple the year before that, it adds up. Well, yes. It, I mean, yes, if you're going to say over the life of the mall, sure. But um, as far as crime goes, you know uh, you know where more crime actually occurs? Serious crime? Is it the South Park? They have the most major crimes. Really? Theft or... Yeah, but... About yeah, stuff? nearly all of them are robberies. For goodness sake. Yeah. Concord Mills, um, because the Observer did a big numbers crunch on this last year, and North Lake had the fewest reported theft and major crimes. From 2017 through mid-June, the mall reported, uh, this was, again, last year, so 2021, the mall had 625 crimes, about 92% of which involved a theft. Concord Mills had more thefts um, and major crimes, 850. Um, Carolina Place had 1,600 and yeah, ninety-five uh, percent involved theft. I mean, which makes sense. Um, South Park had the most major crimes with twenty-five serious crimes uh, reported since two thousand seventeen. Carolina Place had twenty-one serious crimes um, that included twelve aggravated assaults, two rapes, and a murder since twenty seventeen. So, 
I think the last shootout that we recall was uh, Concord Mills. That was the most recent, I believe. Thank goodness you're doing the research. Good well, enough. the Observer did it. I didn't do this. The Charlotte Observer did this. <laughs> they, they crunched the numbers, and I just went uh, looking for it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, it is, there is a perception, right? There is this perception, but it's not necessarily true. Carolina Place, Concord Mills, North Lake, South Park, uh, they've actually, uh, the crimes in the malls have actually gotten uh, lower. It's actually declined since 2017 as well. So, I mean, which is good news, but it does, I mean, it, it, it doesn't negate the fact that what we saw yesterday happened, right? And, and for the people that were at the mall and the, the innocent bystander that got struck, you know, a lower crime rate than 2017, that, that, that doesn't make you not shot, right? So, yeah. Uh, Dave, I appreciate the call. Hey, thanks. All right, buddy. See you. Talk 1110-993-WBT. <laughs> I swear. No, no, I'm saying... Oh, Tiki Joey 22 on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I'll make you famous. I'm your Huckleberry. We'll do it next hour. Um, let me go over here. We're talking about the uh, the shooting at the North Lake Mall first. And uh, from yesterday, uh, thankfully, nobody has died, as far as I know at this point. Um, but... Uh, the Charlotte Observer ran numbers on mall safety. And again, this this story was done last year. I don't know if there's uh, been any update to it. I didn't see one. I didn't find any. Um, gunfire and shootings, though, at three Charlotte area malls last summer is what prompted them to take a look. Um, and some malls have taken steps to increase safety and security, uh, including uh, increased police presence, Cameras, tightening teen curfews, and even bringing in gun-sniffing dogs. All of this comes as reported crime at four major malls in the region uh, has dropped, actually, since 2017, according to crime data analysis by the Charlotte Observer. So it was a Carolina place that had the the, uh, firearm-sniffing canine. They did it on a trial basis uh, last year. And... um, they also point out that, just like most crime in general, um, they aren't random. Most major crimes are not random. Most murders occur, you know, intra-racial, so black on black, white on white, and usually people you know, right? You're more likely to be murdered by somebody you know than somebody you don't, which is why, like, I don't, I don't let anybody get close to me, ever. Like, physically. Just <laughs> uh, Concord Mills. They put in their teen chaperone curfew policy, right? If you were under the age of 17, you had to be with somebody who's uh, over the age of 21. And that, you know, that uh, curfew went into effect, I think, on like Fridays and Saturdays in the evenings. So there are a number of different ways that they uh, have been trying to address the the rising crime or the, well, not rising, but the crime at the malls. Um and so maybe at the last caller, David, before the break, he suggested, well, I guess we're going to have to maybe do the, uh, the body scanners. And that might be where this goes, right? Setting up body scanners at every entrance to the mall. And you walk through, and if you got a gun on you, it trips. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's where, maybe that's where it goes. Uh, all right, let me go over here and get Dean on. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you, Pete. Happy holidays. Yes, Merry Christmas. Dean, we can say Merry Christmas. Donald Trump. Uh, was elected, and then we, and if not for him, I would not be able to tell you that. Merry Christmas to you. 
okay. Well, the spirit of Merry Christmas to everyone, then. There you go. Um, hey, I, I need your critical mind on this. And I want to give back because you're, you're so kind to take my call. Mm-hmm. And uh, now let me work through this. Now, okay. With the, the first of all, the, the schools, they put in the body scanners and they work. Then everybody's getting more and more concerned about them. And now, you know, like at, at airports and, and that, I think we should come up with home body scanners. Mm. So, like, you put around your front door, three ninety nine ninety five. you get your own body scan. You know, you don't get to pick your, your in-laws. You know, you don't know. They could be, uh, tell me the truth, don't, is there one of them out there you don't feel comfortable with? Oh, so you're saying this would guard entry into your own home? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. We're going to need it eventually. Once we go from schools to malls to banks to hospitals to airports, where does it end? And at our front door. Right. So I was thinking the other way around. I was thinking you take the body scanners, you put them at the front door. This way, if you leave the house with a gun that you don't know you have, then you'll be alerted that you are armed. No, wait a minute. No, no, no. That's infringing on my Second Amendment right. No, no, but you wouldn't. You didn't even know it because the gun, like from what I understand, these guns just shoot themselves all over the place. And so you would. So this way, if if a gun were to happen to get on your person, right? If they would attach itself somehow to you with an attempt to try to wreck mayhem or something, right? Then you would be alerted that there's a gun on your body. Okay. Right, and this way, Uh, and so when you walk out the door, boom, you get an alert. And like, oh my gosh, there's a gun. It has attached itself to me. And so then you would know and you would be able to uh, to disarm yourself. Maybe I give it to my wife and then once she gets outside, then she gives it to me and I'm home free. Is that maybe? And well, not maybe, if it's I the mean, other. I'm not saying there's flaws, but you know. Oh, there are definitely flaws. Yeah, yeah. No, there are definitely flaws. Here's another way. If you want, uh, uh, you want to know if people are armed when they come into your house, um, you know, you could just ask them. Okay. Right, no, I'm, I'm thinking that's it's cheaper. Unless you're proposing this simply as a business venture. A business venture, yes. All right, yes. I have a, I got a better idea. All right, so I have a better idea. How about this? We create okay. some we create some digital uh, trading cards, and we'll sell them for like ninety nine bucks a piece. Let's take it one step further. Let's bundle it. Oh yeah, the the scanner and the trading cards. For only forty nine ninety five more. Ah, well, our, and and we'll throw in the potential for dinner with Dean as a sweepstakes. That would be the grand prize, obviously. But you know, everybody who who bought the bundle. Well, it just wouldn't be a random drawing. I I, I would reserve the right to. No, no, no. It would be a random drawing because you've got the scanner. Yeah, but there's other factors too. No, I don't want to that, go into it. Well, now you're undermining. Now you're undermining the whole business pitch here, Dean. Are you, okay, Dean? No, are you an American or an American? It sounds like sounds like the latter. What's going on? Where do I send? Where do I send the money? <laughs> That's right. why I called you. Okay. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Send it to your favorite charity. All right. I will. There Thank you go, you. Dean. I appreciate Thank the call. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah. So if you set up the the body scanners on the way out the door, you would then know. If, if a gun is trying to use you for bad things, you would know. It's, it's all about early warnings, right? It's all about early warnings. News Talk 1110-993-WBT-704-570-1110. 
and 1-800-WBT-1110. Let me get Carl on real quick. Hello, Carl. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Great topic. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about all the uh, screening that we need to do just to, just to go through life, right? And uh, just to go through the airport, for example. Uh, let's just take that model and go everywhere with it, okay? So you got the pre-screening. Yeah. Right? And you can just simply go through the line with the pre-screening. But then there's the upgrade. Yeah. Okay? Pre-screen advantage. And then the pre-screen premium just to go through life, just to get through these stores or whatever and just to feel safe. But, I mean, I'm... No, I like it, Carl. It's a, it's a, it's the good, better, best model, right? Good, better, best. So you, you know, all you know, all the schlubs just get the good, right? You just get, you got to have the, you got to go through the screening. But if you do the upgrade, you get the better. Then maybe like you gain access to the mall a little bit quicker. You know, you can go through and like, oh, we know that person. And then you can do the best. And then like, not only do you get in the mall quicker, but maybe you get to like check out. You get to cut everybody in line when you're at the mall and and check out before them. That happened to me in Disney uh, three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. They got the advantage package. <laughs> but we had to wait in line for an hour anyway. Right. But, no, I mean, it's a great system, right? Yeah, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Other people have to wait. Yeah, sure. Um, put government in charge and uh, check the box, and we're done. It'd be fantastic. There, I see no downside at all to some sort of... Uh, System that uh, you know locks people out of various areas of society uh, based on like uh, an algorithm or computer. And we pay for that privilege. That's right. There you go, Carl. Thanks for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> I like it. It's a business opportunity. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Hey. Yeah. Lack of security impresses me as like a, a form of suppression, and when I say that. I'm talking about the suppression from a communist China, a Venezuela, Maduro, the bad haircut guy, North Korea, Putin, mm-hmm. Putin, Putin, Putin. Uh, it's just another form of suppression when you can't let your kids out, you can't go to the mall, you're afraid to even leave your house, you can't get a package on your front door. I mean, road rage shootings, I mean... And, and on top of that, Pete, every day we read the news, there's a 1,000 or 3,000 new illegal immigrants just pouring into the country. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, Pete, how it's going to come out, but I can see the country balkanizing. I can see where you're going to live in communities where if they're not gated, you've got a severe, uh, almost militia in your own community to make sure you try to keep law and order, protect your own family. I'm going to protect my family one way or the other. Well, I will tell you, there was a piece of advice I got from a high school teacher in New York, of all places, Uh, Mr. Peacock, although he was from South Carolina. But he talked about, he was talking about the friends that you make in high school, in, in, you know, uh, in grammar school, in middle school, in high school, and and then college. And And at every step along the way, he was telling us kids that, uh, you know, you think these are your friends for life. And if you're lucky, some of them will be. He said, but these are not going to be, generally speaking, for most people, they're not the ones that you're going to uh, to be friends with for the entirety of your life and that you'll be able to count on them in, uh, in times of distress. He said, who those people will generally be are going to be your neighbors. 
When you buy your house, you move into your house, whatever, and your neighbors around you, those are the people that when push comes to shove, they're the ones that are either going to be there or not for you. And I, it's always stuck with me. And if you're lucky, you got good neighbors that if you're, you know, what you're talking about, you know, you look out for each other. It's, uh, you know, the nosy neighbor, the little old lady looking out her window at the person walking up to your house while you're at work. Like that's, that's still that community watch, that neighborhood watch that still, that still works, you know? Well, well Pete, I've, I'm seeing these big, large cities in America, uh, just about all of them controlled by liberal Democrats, uh, even professing just a few years ago, uh, do away with the police department, mm-hmm. you know, the whole bit. Their tax rates continue to escalate, so it's not a question of money. They just don't want to enforce the law. The judges put people right back on the street. And it, what impresses me, Pete, is these cities are going to hollow out, and they're going to eventually collapse. At best, they're going to be in a state of non-growth. That is what Charlotte, <clears throat> excuse me, Charlotte is getting ready to enter right now. It, it's getting. I've been in Charlotte all my life, mm-hmm. and I see the same trends occurring in Charlotte. By the way, I'm 35 miles out of Charlotte. I don't want to be any closer anymore. I spent my whole life there. I don't want to be any closer anymore. In, in fact, my next move is going to be further out. <laughs> right. Well, that... I'll, I'll make I'll make one more comment, Pete. Walmart just in the past week. Now, Walmart, we're talking the largest retailer in the world. Yeah. Unless Amazon's got them, but that that they're getting ready, they're threatening to close stores. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got personal experience. Just two evenings ago, you know, I'm usually in the Walmart a good bit this time of year, <laughs> and I picked up a five quart jug of oil for my vehicle. I get, and it was the last one I could find on the shelf. Their store brand. I get to the, I get to the self checkout line, a register. I can't scan it because I look on the back. The barcode has been ripped off conveniently, just the corner of the paper label where the barcode is. And Walmart right now is threatening, first of all, do away with their self-checkout and or close stores. I don't know how we survive as a, as an urban society and as a country, Pete, with this kind of lawlessness continuing. I don't know how we survive. Well, I, I don't either. Um... I think it gets worse, and then it gets better, and then it gets worse again, and then it gets better, and then it gets worse again. I think that's just sort of the the, the natural cycle of all things. You know, it's the it's it's just like our weather. It's just like the year, right? To everything, there is but, a season. But but Pete, as I look around the world, you know, my, my seventy six years of collective wisdom, I don't see countries or cities continuing to flourish or grow that don't emphasize a little bit of law and order and respect for, uh, you know, private property rights. I, I don't see that in Russia. I don't see it in, in China because they, they suppress the, you know, the mm-hmm. living bejesus out of you in China and, and Venezuela. No, no, only one country is even emphasized by travel bureaus in South America, Uruguay, I think it is. They don't even they don't even promote other countries in South America for travel anymore. Mm. That's what's going on in the rest of the world, Pete. That's where there we're is, headed right here. Because so we won't do anything about law and order and keeping the crooks off the street. So there is a thing called the urban doom loop. I've got a I've got a couple stories on it actually. I've been and this is where I was going to go with the topic. So Jim, I do appreciate the call. It was good to talk with you. I'm going to uh, and I'm expound on this right now because the. Um, the urban doom loop. Real estate experts who believe the pandemic may have created a new normal, one that has major implications for cities. Three steps. First, 
When the pandemic hit, there were a lot of white-collar workers who decided to leave the city, ride out the storm in their second home in the Hamptons or Vermont or wherever they could go that was, you know, away from lots of other people. Um, second, remove all the workers from downtown, Right? Doing that has an impact on other businesses, which were dependent on those workers. You restaurants, shops, and stuff like that. Many of those shops and restaurants are struggling to survive, or they've already closed. And then the third part of the doom loop comes from the impact that less economic activity downtown has on the cities themselves. A lot of the revenue comes from these areas, so if they aren't being utilized, then the city's tax base is shrinking, and that means fewer resources to deal with the problems, like homelessness and crime which are also plaguing cities. So John Sexton at hotair.com does a, he did a big write-up on this, and he's like, this is one of his topics that like he, he sees stories and he pulls them out and he puts them into this, uh, under this category of the urban doom loop. The less appealing the areas are, the less chance of luring customers and businesses back, right? And it becomes a loop. People don't want to be there because people don't want to be there. want to learn how to play hockey i mean it's basically like soccer except with weapons and skates on ice and you don't you don't have to fake getting hurt it's basically the same thing all right so if you want to learn how to play hockey or to learn how to ice skate you can go to the light the nights festival it's at truest field now through january 6th they've got the only regulation sized outdoor hockey rink and you can you know tournaments that they're doing there. they got figure skating. Uh, or if you just want to, you know, ice skate around. Now, they also have a 150-foot snow tubing hill. I think it's got like six lanes or something. Um, they got light shows. they got live entertainment. they got holiday treats. they got Christmas trees. they got shopping. they got Santa Claus. It is all at the Light the Nights Festival. Make it part of your new tradition here in uh, the Queen City. Truest Field, now through January 6th. All right, so the... Uh, The Urban Doom Loop. Three steps, as John Sexton at HotAir.com summarizes. First, pandemic hits, white-collar workers leave the city. Um, You have the lockdowns then force corporations to be extremely flexible with remote work and Zoom meetings and such, right? Turns out a lot of employees preferred working from home. And so now that this Zoom genie is out of the bottle... A lot of employees don't really want to go back to work in five days a week in the office. A lot of employees have left the city behind and taken advantage of much uh, much better home prices in the suburbs just because they aren't expected to be there every single day, right? Yeah, now, you, if you don't have to make that commute in every single day, your housing options are expanded because now you can justify like, okay, it's, you know, an hour, hour and a half each way, let's say. That's a long commute. Let's say it's an hour each way. That's a long commute. And so in years past, if you have to be in the office five days a week, yeah, you you want to try to get even closer. But if you're only going two or three days a week, now the trade-off isn't so bad. Work from home turns out to benefit big companies too. It allows them to economize on real estate, potentially saving a lot of money for the bottom line every year. I'm seeing uh, there's, I think, another two projects. that These were... Um, 
office buildings in Washington, D.C. area. I saw somebody posted about it and um, on social media. Very large office buildings being converted into residential. That's happening a lot more now, too. He says, we likely have not seen the full impact of this yet because commercial real estate leases run multiple years, meaning a lot of companies are still locked into their old agreements, at least for now. Also, if you remove all of the white-collar workers, that has an impact on the other businesses that are dependent on them, the restaurants and the shops. A lot of them you know, struggled during COVID. If they're even still open now, they've had to cut back on their hours. In a lot of places, there were hopes that after the pandemic ended, people would return to downtown, but it's not happening in a lot of cities, at least not quickly. Right, and when you've got uh, violence and... Uh, dirtiness, let's say, like whether it's human waste on the sidewalks or needles and such, or you're being accosted by people. Um, people don't want to go downtown. I I have thought um, with the rise of the, because um, after the Supreme Court ruling that basically said, you know, you know, you can stand wherever you want, you can fly your signs and businesses can't, you know, kick you off their uh, sidewalk. It's public property. You're allowed to be there and stuff. And I, I wondered at the time, that if this this rise in panhandling and urban homelessness, um, I, I I wondered, are we going to see a return to the mall? Because that's private property. Now, if the malls can figure out how to maintain safety better, um, then that might we might see something like that because people are going to want some sort of controlled access, so they're not going to be victimized while they go shopping. That might happen. I don't know. Um, what else? The third part of the doom loop. The less economic activity downtown has, right, then the less revenue it makes. And then when that revenue declines, that means you have fewer resources to deal with the problems. Not to mention the fact that cities, virtually all of them run by leftists now, they spend money that are way beyond their core mission. The core mission should be, right, health, sanitation, police, fire, right? These are the the core missions for why cities exist, why the government, city government exists. That's it. Provide the umbrella of protection so the free market can operate within it. And over time, cities like, oh, yeah, we got this security thing down, so let's start doing all these other things. And, you know, they start building all of the, uh, what did uh, Keith Larson used to call them, shiny objects, all the little shiny things. And okay, that has been the model and they've been doing that for a long time, but seems like they've lost sight of their core mission. And what's going to happen if their revenue base starts shrinking, are they going to dial back on the shiny things or do they dial back on the core services? Well, if history is any indication, it's the core services, right? Because they will, they will promote the shiny things as the way to get more people to come back. If only we build a new arena, if only we build a new entertainment district, if only we build a new Panther Stadium, if only we build a new shiny thing, all of these people, then they'll come back. Failing to recognize the reason why people don't want to be in your city full of shiny things is because it's an unpleasant experience when they are not attending the shiny thing. When they're not at the shiny place, everything else is not so shiny. They're getting accosted. They're getting, they're getting um, 
uh, robbed. They're having to explain to their kids why people are doing antisocial acts. Uh, Much of their revenue comes from these areas. And uh, hopefully you can see how all of this creates a loop that feeds back on itself. Minneapolis-St. Paul, owners of some of the most expensive office towers in the Twin Cities, are actually now walking away from their properties instead of continuing to make their loan payments. This is bad. About one-fifth of the offices in the Central Business District in D.C. are vacant. That's nearly double the pre-pandemic number. Salesforce, the largest private employer in San Francisco, they, uh, uh, they say they could continue to downsize its office footprint in a recent earnings call. Now, there, there is some optimism. J.P. Morgan Chase put out a commercial real estate outlook assessment and said, looking ahead, they are not in the camp of, you know, the office is dead. They're not there yet. But cash flow will be challenged. <laughs> okay, then.